Welcome to Sealing God's People with your host, Dennis Beard. Acts 2, the second chapter, started the church age and the dispensation of grace. As we come to the end of that dispensation, we go into a transition. We know that this gospel of the kingdom must be preached in all the world, open to all nations, and then the end will come. But there's a work that must be done called the work of the ministry. But it's a strange work. Bring to pass his act, a strange act. Bring to pass his work, a strange work, Isaiah 28. When we look at judgment laid to the land and righteousness to the plummet, it has surprised the hypocrite. Well, though the hypocrite is one that acts as an actor, but not true in heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. But yet, goes to church, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. What is the truth? What is the true work of the ministry, which we're all called for? And that's what we'll be discussing today on the podcast and the sealing of God's people and why it is so essential in order to stand in these last days. Now, we know that evil will come in like a flood, but the earth will open up its mouth, help the woman and swallow the flood. Revelation 12. But we see in various books in the Old Testament things that will help us understand the typology that's done in the book of the Revelation and what it means in each chapter that the Lord is revealing to us now in the revelation of Jesus Christ, that God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass, and signified it by his angel unto John. What it will reveal, bottom line, is that Jesus Christ is the Lord of glory. He is the Father. There are not three persons in the Godhead. What has been previously taught for years and years, unspawned centuries, and these ecumenical councils and synods back in 325 A.D. in the Chalcedonian definition 451 A.D. And we find in 325 A.D. the Nicene Creed stating a trinity. The Chalcedonian definition 451 A.D. of the God-man stating that the Son of God, according to his Godhead, was begotten of the Father before the world was, which is totally alive. So through the judgments of God, the judgments manifest in the earth, men will learn righteousness, what the true God is, for all will know him from the least to the greatest. All will know the Lord Jesus Christ as the God of glory, looking for the glory supreme of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, Titus 2.13. Not a second person of the Godhead, that he alone is God and is not another, blessed and only potentate, who only hath immortality, Dwelling in the light which no man can approach into, nor see, nor can see. Jesus only. The Jesus only doctrine of Christ. So if you are establishing this doctrine of Christ, which very few churches have even endeavored to teach Christ, it's just assumed that Christ is a man, uh, the second person of the Godhead, and that's it. Never been taught Christ. And we know that Christ is the foundation of the church. We get off that foundation, we've got a problem. And that's the reason why the devil, the old dragon, the serpent, the scorpion, the devil himself, comes against that doctrine of Christ as an anti-Christ. Because Christ is a mystery of Christ and of God and of the Father. We see that in Colossians 2, verse 1 through 9, to the acknowledgement of the, of the fullness of this mystery the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hid all treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So the revelation of Jesus here in the last days is simply to reveal that he is Christ, he is God, he is the Father of glory. Now that's been hid as Jesus spoke there in John 16. He said, I'll no more speak to you in Proverbs but I will show you plainly of the Father. Why? Why did he hide that? Because it's only those of a pure heart that's going to see it, seeing the revelation of Jesus, that he is the Father of glory, the Lord 
God Almighty, the Lord Jehovah, calling him Lord. And no man can call Jesus Lord except by the Holy Ghost. And we see that in 1 Corinthians 12. No man speaking by the Spirit calleth Jesus accursed. But no man speak calling Jesus Lord can only do so by the Holy Ghost. It's a revelation. And that revelation was given to Peter there on the chapter 15 or 16 in Matthew 16. When Jesus asked the disciples, who do men say that I the Son of Man am? Well, some say you're John the Baptist, Elijah, Jeremiah, as Isaiah, one of the other prophets. But who do you say I am? Thou art the Christ. Not just a Christ, the Christ. The Son of the living God. So immediately, we think the Son is a second person, a second uh, uh, person of the Godhead, and claiming a triune and a Godhead, which is a total lie. So as we go on and seek for the truth, Who is this Jesus? Who is called Christ? Well, he's the Lord of glory. He's born in the city of David, Christ the Lord. Christ is that spirit of God. He is the everlasting father, as we see in Isaiah 9, 5 and verse 6. It says unto us, a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall rest upon his shoulder. Not shoulders, plural, but singular shoulder, which is simply the cross crucifying the flesh with the affection of the lust, making the capital of our salvation perfect through sufferings, learned obedience through the things which he suffered. Now, for as much then as Christ has suffered in the flesh, we are to arm ourselves with the same mind, for he that has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. We find there in the work of the ministry that it is all predicated and based upon the revelation of Jesus Christ that he will show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. These things are the fullness of the things of faith, growing up in Jesus in all things and all truth. Now, in the Pentecostal realm, in Acts, the second chapter, they received the, the church, the Holy Ghost. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were in one mind, one accord, in the upper room, and suddenly came a sound. It was a rushing mighty wind. And cloven tongues of fire appeared and set on each one of them. They were filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. And thus we have Christ in us, the hope of glory, which is the mystery of godliness. Now Christ, we think, is simply a man that was to reveal the Father through him. Not that he is the Father, but he reveals the Father through him because we are taught that flesh and blood cannot enter the kingdom of God. God is spirit, and those that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. Therefore, the spirit can't be flesh and blood. But when we see that in Isaiah 43.10, for example, that you are my witnesses, thus saith the Lord. That's the Lord Jehovah God Almighty, the self-existent, eternal, invisible Spirit of God that is the omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent Spirit. And the true witnesses of that Lord and my servant whom I have chosen. Now, the servant is chosen? And how can God, who is uh, almighty, all power, who is the kingdom, How can he be a servant? Now we see the love of God because he laid down his life for us. God himself did. 1 John 3, 16. Hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us. Therefore, we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Well, we are taught that there is an eternal son that abode with the father before the foundation of the world And somewhere, somewhere along the line that God spoke the Spirit Senior, spoke to Spirit Junior to go down and die for the sin of the world. Now, when we search the scriptures, we find that that's not the case. Now, God did send his son, but it's not Spirit Senior talking to Spirit Junior. God 
talking to God Jr. It's no such thing. We see that unto us a child is born, a son is given, Isaiah 9.5, and the government shall rest upon his shoulder. Now, who is he? And that is the quest for life. The revelation of Jesus is required there if we do not have the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, then we cannot know him because he is God Almighty, the Father of glory, that was manifest in that body of flesh and that flesh and blood that died on the cross. They're saying that God didn't die on the cross, but if his body died on that cross, his own flesh and blood body, then it's attributed to God, the Father of glory. Now we see in Isaiah 9, 6, his name, this man that is born, this child that is born, this son that is given. We know that Mary was conceived there of the Holy Ghost, said you will bear a son, little S-O-N, and he will be called the Son of the Highest, capital S-O-N. His name is Jesus. Jehovah is salvation, not Jehovah Jr. And he will save his people from their sins. Now, in the book of Isaiah, we see in Isaiah 42, Isaiah 43, Isaiah 44, that my God has become my salvation. The Lord God is our Redeemer, not God Jr. Well, God himself stated that we would know him when we diligently seek him. The poor in spirit, those that seek God with all their heart, the meek shall inherit their earth, the poor in spirit shall see God, see God, know who he is, and have that revelation of Jesus Christ, the God of glory, the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, which is, was, and is to come, the Almighty God. Now, that's what God is doing now, is revealing who he is. It's the last book in our Bible. But the devil will do everything he can to keep us out of that, to keep us in ignorance that Jesus is the Father, that somehow or another he's anything but the Father. He can be the second person of the Godhead. He can be a God junior, but not Christ. And that Christ was given that revelation to Peter in Matthew 16. When Jesus asked his disciple, who do you say I am? Then Peter said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Then he goes on and expounds. Jesus stated, Simon Barjona, flesh and blood, has not revealed this unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. Somebody said, if Jesus is the Father, why did he call him my Father, which is in heaven and Jesus being there on earth? Now, here's another question. John 3.13. How is it then that Jesus states that he is in heaven while he's on earth? Because his true identity is he is the Father revealed in the body of flesh and blood but he will call him my father in the days of his flesh because he has made himself of no reputation, putting a self-imposed limitation upon himself as spirit to work only as a man because a man lost it, only a man can redeem us back. Who is that man? It's God himself. Now that is where the Trinity organization of the nominal Protestant churches fail to see the true revelation of Jesus. What God is doing now in bringing that true revelation of Jesus to those that have an ear to hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. We have been lied to for so long according to what was warned of our Lord Jesus himself, saying there will arise false Christ and shall deceive many, showing great signs and wonders that if it were possible, it would deceive even the very elect. Well, coming in his name, in the name Jesus. But 
in perverted judgment. Paul stated the same thing in Acts 20.29. In Acts 20.28, he said, Take heed to yourself. Make sure that you understand. And over all the flock over which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers, the shepherds, the pastors, the teachers, to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. God's own blood. But most will say in a false doctrine that God has no blood. Well, yes, he does, because he took on his own body of flesh in the days of his flesh as the days of God's flesh. He prepared himself a body who is Emmanuel, God with us. Not the Son of God with us, God with us. For the Son of God is the Father revealed in a body of flesh and blood. The Son of God has two components. Number one, he's the Spirit of God without measure, the Father of glory, the Word, the Holy Ghost, and manifests in a body of flesh and blood, two components. That's the Son of God. Now, in the days of his flesh, he was in a body of flesh and blood, just like us, our kinsman redeemer, because he had to be our kinsman in order to redeem us. He is our kinsman redeemer. Very simple. But we are told that it is not God who is the Father doing this, that it is the second person of Godhead, the Son, which is a lie. We find that God needed and must have a man to die for the sin of the world because a man lost it. Only a man could redeem us back. Now, we know that. Most anomalous churches know it. Romans 5. By one man's disobedience, sin came to the world, and death by sin. Therefore, by one man's obedience shall many be made righteous. As the offenses of one, so also the free gift is of one. Now, as sin reigned by death, now grace reigns through righteousness. He that knew no sin became sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. But who is him? Who is he? Who is this man? Christ Jesus. That's always been the quest for light. And it's been debated. uh, And many different doctrines have come out about the man, Christ Jesus. And that he's not God, but he has God in him. He's the second person of the Godhead. That he is a oneness in the doctrine, stating that he is the spirit, but he's not the body of flesh. Because God just robed himself in a body of flesh and blood. He's not that flesh. He's not that blood. He just robed in it. He came in there and used it and dwelled in it. And then went back and then set that glorified man at his right hand. And God is still in Christ, reconciled the world to himself. But the man's not God, but has God in him. That's a wondrous doctrine. That is deny a Tunis, and that the Son of God is not a second person of the Godhead, but they state that the Son of God in the flesh and blood shed on the cross, then the flesh and bone man is a glorified man standing at the right hand of God. The man's not God, but has the, the Spirit of God in him. That's the Spirit, Jesus. Well, They have separated the spirit from the man. When you separate the man from the spirit of God, you have committed idolatry. That is it very simply in a nutshell. You have denied that Jesus the man is the spirit of God. You can see it in John 8, 13. The Pharisees, they told Jesus that the man that they were talking to that you bear record of yourself, Jesus, your record is not true. That record is First uh, John 5, 7. There's three that bear record in heaven, the Father, Word, and the Holy Ghost. These three are one and the self-same spirit, just different functions, different offices of that one spirit. Father's the administrative office of the spirit. Word is, it, is the expression office of the same spirit. The Holy Ghost is uh, the power office of that same spirit. And we've used that before in offices. I am, Dennis Beard, is a father of two children. I have a son and a daughter. 
grown and have their own families. And matter of fact, not only do I have grandchildren, I have great-grandchildren. But I'm a father. And I am also a grandfather. And not only that, I'm a great-grandfather. <laughs> I'm also a husband to my wife. I'm also a preacher that does my best to expound the Word of God. There are various functions there, but it's one and the same person, same way with God. There's the Father, the administrative office of the Spirit. There's the Word, the expression office, office of the Spirit, revealing the thought, plan, purpose, and will of God. Then there is the power office of the Spirit, the Holy Ghost. Then there's the Son of God, which is the redemption office of the same Spirit, revealed in a body of flesh and blood, dying for the sin of the world, shedding his holy, righteous, holy blood to redeem us. Then we have the Son of Man, which is the kingdom office of the same Spirit. And we see in John 3.13, No man has ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man, which is in heaven. Jesus stating he's in heaven, while well, he's talking to his disciples, John 3, 13. And John 8, the Pharisees, John 8, 13. If the Pharisees come to Jesus and he said, you bear record yourself, your record's not true. You are not God. You're not God revealed. You're not a record of uh, that spirit of God at all. And Jesus said, though I bear record of myself, my record is true because I'm not alone. He's stating he's not alone. I am one that beareth record of myself and my father. Send me, he beareth record of me. Then he explains it. It is written in your law, the testimony of two men is true. So I said, well, there's only one man there, Christ Jesus. They, they see him only in a body of flesh and blood. But we're talking about the spiritual man that he is. That man that is not a human, not a man encased in a humus body, a dirt body, but a man nonetheless. The spiritual man. God is a man of war. So I said, well, God's not a man that he should lie, the son of man, he should repent. Yet it tells you what kind of man he's not. But he is a man of war. And he is that man that has sent it up to heaven, that came down from heaven, which is in heaven, stating in there in the days of his flesh before his, his disciples. John 3, 13. No man has ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven. Flesh did not come down from heaven. <laughs> Nowhere did it as that flesh is, uh, is transmuted into spirit and spirit transmuted into flesh. That's an oxymoron. Jesus referring to the spirit that he is, the father of glory. He states that in John 14. He said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And my father's, in my father's house, I mean, he mentioned when I saw it, would have told you I'm going to prepare a place for you. And where I am, there you may be also. Whether I go, you know, and the way you know. Thomas said to him, Lord, we know not whether thou goest. How can we know the way? Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. From henceforth you both know him and have seen him. What? Seen him? There's only one man sitting there. Well, Philip, being confused, as most of the Trinity world is confused, thinking there is a second person to the Godhead and the Father's up there somewhere else and the Son is on the earth and he's praying to the Father in heaven, which is a separate spirit, which is a lie. And we'll talk about why. Why is it a lie? Well, because Jesus, whenever he makes himself of no reputation, there in Philippians 2, 6, there he puts his spirit to be void, latent, laid back and takes on a body of flesh and blood to work only as a man, not as a God man, but as a man. But why? Because a man lost it. Only a man can redeem us back and he's got to have a man. He searches for a man. 
He's amazed he can find none. Why? Because all his sin, conceiving sin, shaping iniquity, none good, no, not one, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Well, God has a predicament there. How is he going to have a holy, righteous man as a lamb for sacrifice to die for the sin of the world? Well, he must have a man. He seeks, he searches for a man, seeks for a man, cannot find one. So Isaiah 59, 16, he tells us, I searched for a man. I was amazed I could find none. Therefore, my own arm brought salvation to myself. God's own arm of flesh brought salvation to him. And that is exactly what Paul stated in 2 Corinthians 5, 19. God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. Who was in Christ? God was. Well, Christ is God. That's right. Christ was in Christ, reconciling the world unto Christ. We see that in 1 Peter 1, verse 10 and 11. All the Old Testament prophets searched diligently into the grace that should come to us, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ that was in them. Christ is that Spirit. He is the Father of glory, the Word, the Holy Ghost. He always has been and always will be God. He is the Elohim. He is the Lord Jehovah God Almighty. Christ is that Spirit. 1 Peter 1, verse 10 and verse 11. When this Spirit of Christ that was in all the Old Testament prophets, Moses, Samuel, Isaiah, Je uh, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, all the way to Malachi, every one of those prophets prophesied of the grace that should come to us. How? By the Spirit of Christ, which is a capital S, which is God Almighty, the Spirit. Christ is that Spirit. Always has been that Spirit. Always will be that Spirit. But he has to die for the sin of the world, and he has to have a body of flesh and blood to do it. He looks for a man, but all are conceiving sin, shaping iniquity, none good, no, not one. All of sin comes short of the glory of God and must have a Savior. So what does he do? Philippians 2, 6, he makes himself of no reputation. Jesus, who's in the form of God, being in the form of God, that are not robbery to be equal with God in every Every attribute of God that he is. Not made equal. He is equal. He's God. He is that spirit. But he's got to have a man to work salvation and redemption under the law. And so what does he do? He makes himself a body of flesh and blood. There's the key. Philippians 2, 5 through 8 tells you exactly how God did it. Isaiah 43, 10 through 15 tells you exactly how God, God did it in the prophets. Deuteronomy 6, 4 in the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Tells you exactly how he did it. There's only one. Well, if they're in Jesus, who is that spirit, always has been the spirit of God, created all things, Colossians 1, 16 and 17. All things were made by him, Jesus Christ be it thrones, principalities, powers, things visible, invisible, things seen and unseen, all things were made by him. Colossians 1, 16 to 17. Well, he has to have a man, a kinsman redeemer, to die and shed blood to redeem us that were under the law. What does he do? Well, he searched for a man. He couldn't find one. All that sin comes short of the glory of God. They all needed a savior. So what does God do? He takes the seed of the woman. He prepares himself a body of flesh and blood just like he said he would in Genesis 3.15, talking to the serpent after the fall, after the fall of Adam. Serpent, I'm going to put enmity between you, you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. I'm going to bruise his head and thou will bruise his heel. Hmm. Not her heel, his heel. The seed of the woman. And a virgin shall conceive and bring forth a son and call his name who? Emmanuel, not Emmanuel Jr. Not God Jr. Emmanuel, God with us. Isaiah 7.14. Well, that's what God is revealing now to pull those out of Babylon 
that have believed a false doctrine of a Trinity God. That's what he's doing in his loving kindness. They're not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. To the knowledge of the true God and eternal life, Jesus Christ, the Father of glory. Well, hey, uh, how does he do it? In Isaiah 59, 16, Isaiah 63, 5, God prepares himself, his own arm of flesh, to redeem the world to himself. Therefore, my own arm, God said, brought salvation to me. My own arm. Not somebody else's arm, not a second person of the Godhead. Mine own arm, the arm of flesh. My own arm brought salvation to myself. How? Through taking on a body of flesh and blood, Isaiah 43.10 and Philippians 2, 5 through 8. Jesus, who being in the form of God, Paul tells us, he's in the form of God, and that form is morpha, which is an eternal state of being, spirit. Thought and not robbery be equal to God. There, what? Every attribute stands on its own, and Jesus is every attribute. Notice the attributes of God in Genesis 1.26. God said, let us make man in our image and in our likeness. That's plural personal pronouns. They want to tell us that's a trinity. God talking to the Father, Father talking to the Son and the Holy Ghost. Hmm. Read the next verse. So God made man in his own image, male and female, created he them. Singular personal pronoun. Well, who's the essence? In Genesis 1.26, it's the attributes of God. We see in Isaiah 44.24, God spanned the heavens alone by the, and the earth by myself. One, one, not three, not two, but one. And we find it in Proverbs 8. The attributes of God stand alone personally as individual attributes. I, wisdom, was daily his delight. A singular personal pronoun, wisdom being used in a personal pronoun, I. Well, that's not another God. It's an attribute of the one spirit of God who has many attributes, love, joy, peace, power. All of these are individual attributes of God, not persons. That's the us in Genesis 1.26, not person. That's where they missed it. We all have to seek God, and through a sincere heart, he reveals the truth to us. And it's plainly laid out in the scriptures. But without the Holy Ghost, without the Spirit of God, the Christ in us, then the natural mind cannot receive these things of God. The wicked cannot understand these things, only the righteous. Daniel 12. So, Jesus made himself the Spirit of God, the Father of glory, a body of flesh and blood, and called it the Son of God. But the Son of God in the days of his flesh is not working as spirit, but as a man made it under the law, because a man lost it. Only a man can redeem us back. He's still the Spirit of God, always has been the Spirit of God, and always will be the Spirit of God. But in order to redeem us, he had to take on his own body of flesh and blood. He did that by making his spirit latent, laid back, void of no reputation. Philippians 2.6. He makes a self-imposed limitation upon his spirit that he will not work as spirit. Yet the spirit still is the Lord Jesus. As stated in John 3.13. But he's going to work salvation back to his own spirit as making himself of no reputation, emptying out of glory in a self-imposed limitation to work only as a man. He's still the spirit of God. He didn't cease and desist from being the spirit of God. But the law is that middle wall of partition. He's coming under the law to redeem us under the law. So you'll see that in Galatians 4, verse 4. In the fullness of time, God sent forth his son. How did he do it? Made of a woman, made in under the law. Under the law, not above it. And under the law. And Adam, after the fall. 
And we see that in Romans 8, 3. And what the law could not do in that it was weak in the flesh, God sending his own son, the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, condemns in the flesh. God had to take on a body of flesh and blood to do that. It's God himself, Emmanuel, God with us, the Lord of glory, which is born in the city of David, Christ the Lord. The Son of God, again, has two components. He is the Spirit of God and a body of flesh and blood in the days of his flesh. Well, he's still that Spirit, yes. But there is a law that separates his Spirit, the Father of glory that he is, the Word, the Holy Ghost that he is, from the body of flesh and blood, the man that he has taken on as a servant. That law separates his spirit from his own body of flesh. In his own being, there he's working as a man made in under the law, not as spirit, but as a man of flesh and blood, as our kinsman redeemer. You see that in Hebrews 2. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he, God himself, also likewise took part of the same, that in all things he was made like unto his brethren. Hebrews 4.15, tempted at all points like as we are, yet without sin. Well, now, is he God? Yes. God given not the spirit by measure unto him. He forms himself a body of flesh and blood, and that man is made under the law. Galatians 4 verse 4. In the fullness of time, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made an under law, to redeem us that were under the law. But now... He is in a humiliated state. The Son of God is a man of flesh and blood. And he has to fulfill that law in every aspect of that law and not sin to have uh, the, 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 act, the opportunity to lay down his life as a sinless, spotless Lamb of God. And then he has to do it as a free will sacrifice of his own free will. As a man made in under the law, that's God Almighty. That servant then will have to be chosen by God. Somebody said, well, then it has to be another person. No, Jesus is that spirit. It's made of no reputation. Philippians 2, 6, no glory and comes under his own law as a man of flesh and blood, as our kinsman redeemer, one of us. He's not working his spirit. He's working as a man made in under the law. The law states that the high priest takes his office at age 30. Therefore, Jesus will not work a miracle or take the office of the high priest until age 30. We see that in Numbers 4. Because the high priest takes his office at age 30, Jesus, then fulfilling his own law as a man, must wait till the age of 30 to begin his ministry. He takes his office after the order of Melchizedek, our high priest, at age 30, fulfilling his own law. There, as he does the next three and a half years at age 30 to 33 and a half, he is then, and through that high priest, the spirit that was late and late back and never moved there, there then become active after Jesus was baptized of John and Jordan. Then the Holy Ghost, in a form of a dove, came down in a boat upon Jesus. Was he filled with the Holy Ghost? No, he is the Holy Ghost. But that was a sign given to John the Baptist that he it is that gives that sign with that will baptize with the Holy Ghost and that with fire. Now the Holy Ghost there will start moving into the man. Somebody said, well, he had it just then at age 30. No, God giveth not the spirit by measure unto him from the womb, not from the time that he was baptized of John in Jordan, but from the womb. How then? He does not take the office and start working as our high priest until age 30, fulfilling his own law as a man, 
not as God, but as a man. Why? Because, Romans 5, by one man's disobedience, sin came to the world, and death by sin, therefore by one man shall my servant make many righteous. God had to become that man, a spotless, sinless man, which he did, not as a seed of Adam, but as a seed of the woman. That's the reason for the virgin birth. And by doing so, he fulfills his own law there in under that law and does not sin in any aspect of that law. Then he has the right and his own free will and volition to lay down his life for the sin of the world. And he states that. He said, no man taketh my life from me. I freely lay it down. I have power to lay it down, power to receive it again. This I've received of my father. Because in the days of his flesh, he is in our stead. He's our kinsman redeemer. He's showing us the way, the truth, and the life. He's still the spirit of God, but the law separates his spirit from his body of flesh and blood. So he prays to the Father. He must pray to the Father. And he's glorifying his own flesh back to his spirit, him and him alone. God working salvation in and of himself alone. God providing himself a sacrifice for sin. Now, as he does it, he prays to the Father, Father, glorify thou me. The spirit that Jesus is, that has made himself of no reputation, working as a man, then prays to the Father, Father, glorify thou me. The Father says, I have glorified you and will glorify you again. He's progressively glorifying Jesus. The Spirit is progressively glorifying his own human, his own body of flesh and blood back to himself, fulfilling his own law as a man. Now, there is the mystery. Philippians 2, 6. Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God in all of his attributes, everything. Not one thing short of being God, not one attribute but made himself the self of God of no reputation. None. Because he's not going to work as God. He's going to work as a man. And took upon him, that servant, or that spirit of God, the form of a servant. The spirit will take upon himself the form of a servant made in the likeness of men. Being found in fashion as a man, he'll humble himself to the death, the death of the cross, wherefore God hath highly exalted him. The spirit that he is exalted his own body of flesh and blood and given him a name that is above every name that at the name of Jesus. Every knee shall bow and every tongue confess to the glory that he is Lord, the Lord Jehovah God Almighty, to the glory of the Father, not to the glory of the Son, the glory of the Father. He's glorified by the Father's own self, John 17, 5. So Jesus there, as he fulfills that law, he prays to the Father, John 17. Father, O Holy Father, glorify thou me. He's already fulfilled the law in every aspect of the law. Now he's coming to the final laying down his life for the sin of the world. He said, Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory I had with you before the world was. I want the glory that I laid off as the Spirit of God, to become this man. And I want all that glory back. Just like he told Pilate. What and if you shall see the Son of Man ascend back up to heaven where he was before? That's a man that came down from heaven. He's a spirit. But he made himself of no reputation to redeem us that were under the law. Jesus stated in John 2, 19, destroy this temple in three days. I will raise it up. What? No man can raise up his own body of flesh after it's dead, except he be God. That's right. He did it. 
Jesus said, destroy this temple in three days, I'll raise it up. And Jesus said, 46 years were they in building this temple. And you're going to raise up in three days. Jesus spake of the temple of his body. Romans 1, verse 3 and 4 said, Jesus is declared to be the Son of God through the Spirit by the resurrection from the dead. Why? He raised up his own body from the, from the, from the day, from the grave, from the tomb. That's how he did it. He showed himself alive after his end. After his passion for many days, 40 days. Well, during that time, Jesus as a man made an under the law, Galatians 4, verse 4, fulfilled the law as a man, and then as a free will sacrifice offered himself and said he would raise up his own body from the tomb, showing himself that he and declared to be the Son of God. And now the Son of God is that Spirit. You'll see that in Galatians 4, 6. God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, whereby we cry, Abba, Father, one and the same Spirit. The Father's in eternal office. The Word is in eternal office. The Holy Ghost is in eternal office. All these are the functions of that one spirit, God working salvation in and of himself alone. But there's many different functions of that one spirit. And those that can't understand that will say, no, there's another person. Well, let's take a look at Isaiah 43.10. You are my witnesses, thus saith the Lord. That's the Lord Jehovah God Almighty, that invisible spirit of God that is omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent and my servant whom I have chosen. He chose the servant after he fulfilled the law, glorified with the Father's own self, chose that servant. Somebody said, well, that has to be another person. That's not what God said. And he said, you are my witnesses, thus saith the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe me and understand I am he. God is that servant? Yes. That servant in Philippians 2, 6 through 8, that he took on that form of a servant, God himself, took on the form of a servant made in the likeness of man. God was made in the likeness of man, being found in fashion as a man. God was. Emmanuel, God with us. Not son of God with us, God with us. Isaiah 43, 10, You are my witnesses, thus saith the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen that you know, may know and believe me and understand, I am he. Then he tells you how he did it. There's the wisdom of God. Before me there was no God formed, neither shall be after me. See now that I am God thy Savior, the Lord thy Redeemer. Isaiah 43, 15, the Holy One of Israel. There's only one. God did it in and of himself alone. There's no second person or third person of the Godhead. And that's what God is revealing now. For those that have an ear to hear, that they will be the ones that he will use to preach this everlasting gospel to all the world, for a witness unto all nations, and then the end will come, and he that overcometh the end, the same will be saved. That's what he's doing now in the revelation of Jesus Christ, that Revelation 1.8. He is the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, which is, was, and is to come, Jesus Christ, the Almighty, Revelation 1.8. That's the bottom line. And the Lord will do this work in the last days. This is not sealed up among my treasures, saith God, Deuteronomy 32, that you, the Lord will reveal that he is God, for he will judge He will judge his people, repent himself of the evil. That's a tribulation. When he sees their powers gone, there's none shut up or left. Why? That you may know that I am God. And beside me, there is no other God. There's no God, Junior. No second person of Godhead. I am God, and there is no other God. I know not any. There's no God beside me. Read it in Deuteronomy 32. There's not another God. There's not another person. He said, I kill, I make alive, I wound, I heal, I, the Lord, do all these things. 
That's the Lord God Almighty. But because we have not given him the glory, and we want to hew out three persons in this one Godhead, and which we miss the mark, in Hosea 6, verse 1, the Lord says, Come and let us return to the Lord, the true God Almighty, the Lord Jesus. For he hath torn, he will heal us. He's using judgment to get us there. He has smitten, he will bind us up. After the second day, he will revive us. After the second day, the second day is 2,000 years, he will revive us. There's been revival all along that time. But in the third day where we are now, we are in the third day of the third thousandth year from the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. In the third day, I will raise you up and you will live in my sight knowing the Lord God Almighty in the fullness and measure of the statue of Jesus. That's in the third day. And he goes on and says, if we follow him to know the Lord, his going forth is prepared as the morning. He'll come to us as the rain, the former and the latter rain. We've had the former rain in Acts, the second chapter. Now it's time for the latter rain for those that have an ear to hear. Zechariah 10, 1, you know, and it states there, and that, Latter rain uh, that we are desire and to pray to God for that latter rain. And we there are diligently seeking the Lord our God, earnestly contending for that faith that was once delivered to saints, that the whole thing is predicated on the knowledge of God. And we are to search and seek God for that revelation. There's four carpenters. Uh, there that rebuild the earth. That's the four faces of Jesus. Lion, man, ox, and eagle, which is the Lord Jesus Christ himself, and according to the gospel of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. In the days of his flesh, he was a man. He's still God manifest, but the spirit was made of no reputation, so he could work his own salvation as a man. Break down the middle wall of partition by taking the ordinances of that law and nailing it to his cross thereby breaking down that middle wall of partition that separated his spirit that Jesus is from his own body of flesh and blood that he took on to redeem us. He broke down that middle wall of partition by taking the ordinances of that law and nailing it to his cross, thereby breaking down the middle wall of partition and making one new man, thereby making peace. The new man is Jesus Christ, now made a quickening spirit, that same Jesus whom you crucified, Acts 2.36, that all the house of Israel know assuredly, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that same Jesus whom you crucified, God hath made him both Lord, Lord Jehovah God Almighty, and Christ, glorified with the Father's own self. He is the Father of glory. And that's what Jesus states in John 16 and the righteousness the Holy Ghost, when he comes, will reprove the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. Of sin, because they believe not on me, Jesus said. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father. Going to his, his Father means glorify for the Father's own self. And of judgment, because the prince of this world is judged. Then he goes on in John 16 and says, I have many things to say unto you disciples, but you're not able to bear them yet. But when the spirit of truth has come, he'll lead you and guide you into all truth. That's what he's doing now. All truth. They're growing up into Jesus and all things. And we're not tossed to and fro by everyone of doctrine unto perfection. That's what God is doing now. But it is all the judgments of God to reveal who he is. That he is God. He's not a lesser second person of the Godhead. He is the father of glory. He is the wonderful counsel of the mighty God, the everlasting Father. There is no such thing as an everlasting Son. He is the everlasting Father, always has been and always will be. He is the mighty God, Isaiah 9, 6. So, this is what the Pharisees didn't understand. In John 8, 13, they came to Jesus, the Pharisees did, and say, Jesus, you bear record of yourself, your record is not true. Now, Jesus is in the days of his flesh. He's emptied out of glory being spirit so he can work salvation as a man. But they did not know his identity, that he is the father revealed 
even though he's made himself of no reputation, he's still the father of glory. They didn't understand that. They looked at him just as a man and a man only. Even though he had made himself of no reputation, he is still the spirit of God, the father of glory, and always has been. Therefore, they came to Jesus and said, John 8, 13, you bear record yourself. Jesus, your record's not true. You're not the Father of the Lord. You're not the Holy Ghost. Jesus said, though I bear record myself, my record is true. I'm not alone. Well, they looked at him like he's alone. There's just a man there. He said, I'm going to bear record of myself. My Father that sent me, he beareth record of me. It's written in your law. The testimony of two men is true. I'm one that beareth witness of myself. And my father sent me, he beareth witness of me. They said, where is your father? We just don't get that. And most of the phenomenal world does not get that today. Where is your father? They don't get it. Jesus said, if you didn't know me, you didn't know my father also. You're from beneath, I'm from above. You're of this world, I'm not of this world. Well, Jesus spake these words in the treasure no man laid their hands on him because his hour has not yet come. Where's he going? He's going by glorified with the Father's own self. He said, whether I go, you cannot come. I go my way. Whether I go, you cannot come. They said, whether will you go? Will you kill yourself? Look at what Jesus said in John 8, 24. Except you believe that I am he. Who? The question is, where's your father? except you believe that I am he, the father of glory. You shall die in your sins. Now, the devil has done everything he can to hide that, to work against that Christ, that antichrist, because Christ is the father. You see that in Colossians 2, verse 1 through 9. It's a mystery of God and the father and of Christ, because Christ is God, Christ is the father. It's one and the same spirit in whom are hid all treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Why did he hide it? Because only those of a pure heart will see it. Diligently seeking him with all their heart, they'll see it. Let no man spoil you through vain philosophy that the rudiments of men are not after Christ. Have you been established in the doctrine of Christ? Christ is the father of glory. 1 Peter 1 verse 10 and 11. All those Old Testament prophets prophesied by the Spirit of Christ, the Father of glory, the work that he is, the Holy Ghost. When it signified, testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ. Christ the Spirit is going to make himself a body of flesh and blood. It will not be Christ Jr. because Christ the Spirit is Christ the man. You'll see it in 1 Peter 1, verse 10, 11. John states the same thing. 1 John 2.22, who is the liar but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ? He is Antichrist that had denied both the Father and the Son. Why? Because there's only one spirit there. Two offices, two functions of that one spirit, but only one spirit. Why? Because Christ is the Father. They don't believe that. They believe Christ is the Son. But Christ is the Father of glory. Who is a liar, but he denied that Jesus is Christ. He's Antichrist that has denied both the Father and the Son. He that acknowledges the Son hath the Father also. Why? Because the Son is the Father revealed. And that's what God is revealing now. It's a revelation of Jesus Christ that God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass and signified it by his angel unto John. The ones that will declare him as the Alpha and Omega, the the beginning and the ending, which is, was, and is to come, the Almighty God will be the ones that will be used at going on to the measure of the statue of Jesus Christ, being grown up into him in all things and all truth. And only those will be sealed in Revelation 7. The apocalyptic sealing, they're the servants of God sealed in their foreheads with the mind of Christ. Those are the only ones that are going to make it. Well, God's doing it now. You may have questions. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, if you have uh, and the Lord is dealing with you and you're called and the Lord has bore witness with your spirit, well, then give me a call or contact me where we can work together. Very important that we as the body of Christ come together. 
You can email me at sealinggodspeople at dennisbeard.org. Or you can write to me, DBM, Dennis Beard Ministries, Post Office, Box 2906, Longview, Texas, zip code 75606. Email me, at org. I'll get right back to you and look forward to meeting you where we can work together. I look for you also there. Write us a letter there. And whatever the contact is, I will get in contact with you where we can work together in the work of the ministry. You can also get our ebooks at dennisbeard.org, our website. I also have sealinggodspeople.com, sealinggodspeople.org, and also for question and answers, where well, you can also have an internet site where we uh, there put our Tabernaclist newsletter is at jcic.tv. That's for Jesus Christ International Church. JCIC.tv and we all have a weekly newsletter called The Tabernacleist. Not the season of Pentecost, but Tabernacleist in the present season that we're in. Now we pray for each one of us that we God will perfect that which is lacking in every one of us that we all may be presented at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in both spirit, soul, and body. Until the next time, this is Brother Ben Spirit saying, Behold the real Jesus.